0: Welcome to God's Acre On The Go, a worship podcast of the Congregational Church of New Canaan in New Canaan, Connecticut. To learn about the life of our church, our in-person ministries, and the virtual connections and offerings
1: available, please visit us at www.godsacre.org. Now, wherever you are, wherever you are going, we welcome you to worship.
0: Church family, this is the day the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Welcome to God's Acre on the Go, wherever you happen to be, wherever you're traveling, whatever you're doing. We're so grateful to have you tune in this morning. We're going to be looking at the 19th chapter of the Gospel of Luke, a beloved story of Zacchaeus, the uh, a little uh, chief tax collector in Jericho and his encounter with Jesus. Uh, but before we do that, we're going to listen again uh, to my uh, friend Daniel Carmel, who's... Uh, uh, the captain of the faith boat on the Sea of Galilee. I've talked about him and I've shared some music of his before. He's actually uh, going to be taking us out uh, in the coming year, I think a group of us going to Israel, which we're looking forward to. And uh, he's going to sing now for us, How Great Is Our God. And again, uh, he believes, and perhaps rightly so, that uh, everybody's going to need a little Hebrew in heaven. So he sings both in Hebrew and in English. So prepare your hearts and minds for the word and let us enjoy worship together.
1: Adonod ma khutou mukaf beti falto haula misman haula misman o tayat smobel be khoshikh lo yakhdou o le misma (音楽) Gadol Adonai Nashikulam Gadol Adonai Yirukulam Gadol Gadol Adonai Age to age He stands And time is in His hands Beginning and the end, beginning and the end. The God Godhead three in one, Father, Spirit, Son, the Lion and the Lamb, the Lion and the Lamb. How great is our God, sing with me how great is our See how great with me, how great is our God, and do oh, we see, how great, how great is our
0: God. So as I said, we're going to be looking at the story of Zacchaeus and his encounter in Jericho with Jesus Before we get to that, though, I want to look a little bit earlier in the Gospel of Luke where John the Baptist, who you may remember was Jesus's cousin, was preaching on the uh, banks of the Jordan River and baptizing uh, sinners, people who are coming from all over the countryside, and uh, particularly some tax collectors. And in the third chapter, uh, after John has preached a a fairly fiery and convicting message, it says the crowds asked John, what then should we do? And in reply, John said to them, "'Whoever has two coats must give one to anyone who has none, "'and whoever has food must do likewise.'" Even tax collectors came to be baptized by John, and and they asked him, "'Teacher, what should we do?' And he said to them, "'Collect no more than the amount prescribed to you.'" Soldiers asked him, "'And we, what should we do?' And he said, "'Do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusation "'and be satisfied with your wages.'" Now, that's in the third chapter, and I'll provide a link a a little later on, but in the 19th chapter, we get this story where it says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man there was named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was short in stature. So Zacchaeus ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see Jesus because Jesus was going to pass by that way. Now, when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, so he knows his name, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down for I must stay at your house. So Zacchaeus hurried down and was happy to welcome him. Now, all who saw it began to grumble and said, he is gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said, Lord, look, Half my possessions I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone anything, I will pay back four times as much. Then Jesus said to Zacchaeus, Today salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek out and save the lost. The word of God for the people of God. Let's pray together. Uh, Lord God, Lord God, We thank you that you invite us in um, to meditate upon your word, to read together these ancient stories, and to think about how they might apply to us this day in our lives, given the circumstances and situations we find before us. So may your word dwell richly in us today and bear fruit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So... I really do think this is a great little story uh, with so much to see and to take note of. It's, it's the story of the repentance and, and also the restoration of the head tax collector in Jericho, the little man who climbed a tree to get a better look at Jesus and frankly got far more than he bargained for. Uh, as, as I've said before and as you know, Jewish tax collectors in the employment of the Roman Empire were the villi- villains of their communities their perceived treachery was equal to that uh, as, as robbers and murderers. And being the chief tax collector in town and being known to have gotten rich off the hard work of his neighbors, Zacchaeus must have been absolutely notorious. The last person in the world anyone thought could change, last person in the world anyone would have wanted to welcome back into the family. And yet According to Jesus, that's exactly what happens at the end of the story. Jesus says, today salvation has come to this house because Zacchaeus too is a son of Abraham. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. If you can handle it, the person you can't stand can be restored to community. Now, the question is, I think, how does that happen? How did it happen? How how does change occur in in any of us uh, and in those we think will never or can never change? What I want us to do in our time together today is just to kind of stroll through Jericho a bit, stroll through the story with that question on our minds. How how can life transforming change happen within us and for others? Now, let me say that I suspect there are some of you listening who are not looking for change. You like your life as it is. You feel uh, good and fulfilled. Uh, You feel like you're the best possible version of yourself surrounded by only perfect people. If that's the case, then uh, there's a problem because Jesus is a change maker and he encounters us through scripture all the time. So if, if you're in a place where change is not what you're interested in, you're just going to have to uh, suck it up and listen for a while. And then maybe you can discard this message uh, once, once I'm through. Um, but there are a couple of features of the story that I want to point out because I think they're often overlooked. And that happens with familiar stories. We're so kind of uh, aware of them that sometimes we just kind of gloss over some of the important details and features. And and the first thing that really struck me is the very first verse. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through it. He was passing through it. Jesus was on his way with his disciples. uh, We know to Jerusalem for Passover. They had somewhere to be. They were making the trek from Galilee to Mount Zion. There's no indication that Jesus was planning to stop in Jericho. Nope. Jesus had an appointment with destiny, and he was, it says, just passing through. He was passing through uh, one of the last notable towns before arriving in the big city. I mean, apparently Jesus didn't think to stop and spend the night in Jericho until he saw Zacchaeus run and perch himself in a tree. You know, one of the things that is really consistent throughout Jesus' ministry, perhaps why Jesus' life and ministry had such a profound and important and positive impact on so many, was that Jesus was willing to be interrupted right Jesus was willing to have his plans changed Jesus was willing to be delayed when he saw a need that he could address Now I don't need to tell you this but you know we tend to be highly planned and disciplined people which means we can easily and we often do schedule the holy spirit right out of our lives We're so focused on our pursuits we we adhere so tenaciously to our agendas or or our schedules are so packed that we don't make or take time to address needs when they are inconveniently placed before us. In fact, when that happens, we tend to get a little frustrated, maybe even a little bit annoyed. You know, the first thing I want us to notice as we stroll together through Jericho is that change happens when we allow our lives to be interrupted. In fact, and and you've probably heard me say this before, I, I think interruption and inconvenience are about the only ways our Lord has a chance at getting our attention. You know, and those those interruptions, those inconveniences, they can be a holy and helpful events to us and to others. Now, next, I want you to notice a grown man, grown adult, ran down the street and climbed a tree to get a better look at Jesus. I mean, that's childlike behavior, right? In fact, in an adult, it can look kind of foolish. I mean, I can only imagine how the crowd who reviled Zacchaeus would would have probably laughed at him. They probably made fun of him, perched in, in in a tree like a little bird. There's a whole bunch of um, art that that depicts this story, but there's one Greek, ancient Greek icon that I, I saw where Jesus is making his way with his disciples to Jerusalem, and up in a tree is this little miniature person, literally the size of a bird. You know, uh, uh, that's Zacchaeus. You know, a, a sycamore fig tree is referred to as the tree of joy, and I've got to imagine. But the crowd thoroughly enjoyed deriding the rich little chief tax collector who was there hanging on to tree limbs to steady himself. But you know what? Here's the thing. Zacchaeus did it. Zacchaeus did what needed to be done to see Jesus. Zacchaeus made a noticeable effort. Now, admittedly, it wasn't exactly religious devotion, but it was pronounced curiosity. And you know, sometimes that's just enough. Mere curiosity in Jesus can lead to a transformational relationship with Jesus. You know, Zacchaeus' efforts m- might have caused laughter from the crowd, but you know what? His efforts caught Jesus' attention, you know, and, it, and that moment wound up changing the entire direction of his life. You know, um, on this Sunday, we have 30 plus new members uh, joining our church, uh, which is just wonderful, amazing people. And I've told them, and and I've learned this over time, that that typically every group of new members falls into one of three groups. Uh, There's one group that a year from now will just not be at the church anymore. Maybe they've relocated or or something happens to the family, or they just, the church never connects for whatever reason. And then there's a second group who will care about the church. They'll be occasionally involved. They'll, they'll come here when they're available. But then there's a third group that will invest themselves and their family here deeply in ways that will transform their lives, but will also transform the life of the church. And, and on a new member Sunday, I never know who's going to fall into those three groups. But I can tell you that the folks who do connect are the ones who tend to just draw a little bit closer As we stroll through the story, I want you to take note when you're willing to make an effort to try to get a little closer, to get a little bit better view, to make your way in, even if your effort's more curiosity than firm commitment, you tend to get noticed. You get named. You get drawn into faith and a relationship with Jesus in life-shaping ways, which brings me to something else that I'd really never noticed before. Maybe you have or or haven't yourself, but Jesus knew Zacchaeus' name right? I mean, but how? I mean, we don't have a record of Jesus spending time in Jericho before this. I mean, how did Jesus know the chief tax collector's name? Now, it's possible that chief tax collectors were regionally known and reviled. Uh, maybe Jesus heard people making fun of Zacchaeus up in the tree, uh, zackadoodle do" and things like that. But then I realized when Zacchaeus repented and made his offering, remember half his possessions and paying back anyone he defrauded, He was actually doing exactly what John the Baptist had said to do when tax collectors were going out to be baptized by him in the Jordan. And John's baptismal site is only five miles away from the sycamore tree. And there's actually, I've been to both sites. There's actually a sycamore tree that in Jericho that is still claimed to be the tree that Zacchaeus was in. So they're only five miles apart. It's not an insignificant distance, but easily travelable if you want to get somewhere to see someone. And remember, Jesus was a disciple of his cousin John. So I, I think it's possible, I don't know the reality of it, but I think it's possible that Jesus and Zacchaeus had encountered each other before. It's possible that Zacchaeus had been thinking about making a change, or, or frankly, wanting to be baptized and made new for years before this moment. You know, sometimes we can long for change, but for whatever reason, we can't quite summon the resolve to plunge into that new life. We feel stuck or we doubt our worthiness, or frankly, we question whether people would ever accept us as a different and better version of ourselves, separated from our past faults and failings. You know, as Zacchaeus wobbled and wavered on those branches, I wondered, did Jesus see a guy he knew was just one invitation away from making a life-changing decision? I wonder, Jesus knew Zacchaeus' name. You want someone to change? Don't call them names. Call them by their name. Honor them by knowing them. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus said, Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down for I must stay at your house today. For everybody in the crowd to see and hear Zacchaeus, hurry and come down for I must stay at your house today. (laughs) That's So like Jesus. It says that people grumbled. So this wasn't just the Pharisees getting upset with uh, Jesus. Nobody apparently appreciated this decision by our Lord. And, and who knows how Zacchaeus initially felt? I mean, have you ever had someone invite themselves over to your house or stop by unannounced when you're not entirely prepared for it? Not particularly pleasant. You know, Zacchaeus might have been hiding out in the tree just trying to catch a glimpse of Jesus, keeping what he thought was a safe distance. But Jesus saw him, and the next thing you know, Zacchaeus has a house guest and is throwing a dinner party. And somehow, Jesus' invitation unlocked the pent-up desire in Zacchaeus's heart. It was like the floodgates opened. He says, "Look, half my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor, and if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. That's repentance. That's restoration. That, that's renewal. As we continue our stroll, Never doubt the power of invitation, the invitation you desire to accept or the invitation you choose to offer. You know, it, can, it can change the entire trajectory of life. Estrangements can heal. Bitterness can ease. Painful personal histories can be forgiven. Zacchaeus, hurry and come down. I must stay at your house today. Invitation, bold invitation, inviting yourself into someone else's life. That's how change can happen. I mean, there's no indication Jesus was taking no for an answer either. He said, you know, something like maybe, Zacchaeus, I remember you. I remember seeing you by the banks of the uh, Jordan River, listening to my cousin John's sermons. Get down here. We're going to do this today, right now. Which brings me to a realization that I have been slow to come to, but I'm really um, kind of grappling with and, and holding on to now. You know, I often thought Jesus was a revolutionary. I thought Jesus was a reformer, intent on, if not changing, somehow renewing his faith tradition. And because of the responses Jesus often received from the Jewish religious leaders of his day, you can get this impression that Jesus was threatening the faith of his own people. But I don't think that's borne out by the Gospels, no. Jesus said many times and in a number of different ways what he says at the end of this story where he says, The Son of Man came to seek out and save the lost. See, I don't think Jesus was trying to change the Jewish faith. He would say things like, I've come not to call the righteous. So he's saying, righteous people, you're good on your own. Do as you're doing. He said, I, I've come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. See, I think what Jesus was doing was going after the Jews who'd been left out, who'd been looked over, who'd, who'd been lost for whatever reason. Jesus didn't come to take anything away from people who were trying to be good, faithful Jews. No. Jesus was just trying to gather in those who'd fallen along the way. Jesus wanted guys like Zacchaeus back in the family. And that was, I think that was Jesus's special ministerial focus, finding and returning the lost. You know, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, that's supposed to be our particular faith initiative as well. We go after the lost. Even if everyone else in town or everyone else in the family or all our friends at school or every colleague we know thinks our efforts are misplaced. Christians look for lost people. That means lost family members, lost friends, lost neighbors, lost church members. And instead of making fun of them or further belittling them or writing them off entirely, we invite ourselves into their lives and them into ours. And that's how change can happen. Now, one final note as we pass through Jericho on into the coming week. I don't know if you know this, but... but Zacchaeus' name means pure. Pure, that was is the meaning of Zacchaeus' name. Pure. This little man was born and named pure. Now it became ironic, of course, given the tax, the tax collector nature of his life. Uh, but it was the hope for his life. And my bet, his name probably haunted most of his days. To be born pure, and for his entire community to call him unclean, dirty. Disgraceful. I mean, how do you live with that? Now, I suspect we all know that we were created to be pure, and holy, and good. But there's something about life and life experience that can tarnish us a bit, or, or quite a lot, in our own eyes and in the eyes of others. And maybe we get to a point where we feel as far removed from who we are supposed to be as a man perched in a tree, on the edge of a crowd, on the outside peering in. Wondering if anyone will notice and and half hoping that nobody will. But then Jesus passes by. He sees us and stops. He calls us by name. He invites himself into our lives and reminds us that we too are children of Abraham. We are brothers and sisters of Christ. We are beloved by mother, father, God. And that's how change happens. Whether you like it or not, whether you were looking for it or not today, that's how great stories are shaped. It's how lives and relationships are restored. It's this this holy confluence of interruptions and effort and invitations offered and accepted. And it's what Jesus offers us. And it's what Jesus asks us to offer others. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are the seeker of the lost. We thank you because there are times when we are lost and it's good to know that you're looking for us, maybe even before we realize we're in the wrong direction. But also, Lord, it is a charge for those of us who feel found, who have a sense of our identity as imperfect as it may be, as followers of yours, it's a charge that we too are supposed to seek and save the lost, to reach out, to go in search of, to invite in. Lord God, on this week that uh, lays before us, we pray that you would uh, place on our heart the work you want us to do, that maybe you call to mind the people you want us to track down and invite back in. And Lord, if we happen to feel lost, uh, perched in a tree on the edge of the crowd, call us down, call us back into relationship with you so that our lives may be saved and transformed now and always. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, friends, uh, I pray and hope that you will have a great week ahead. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with kindness and peace now and forevermore. Amen.
1: Thank you for joining us for Worship on the Go. To support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please consider making a contribution by clicking the Give button in the top right on our website, www.GodsAcre.org, or within today's email.
0: God bless you, and have a wonderful week.